0: to Bibby.
1: Welcome to the Kings Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Sponsored by Max Muscle Sports Nutrition. Introducing your host, Sacramento Kings Insider, James Ham.
0: Welcome to the NBC Sports California Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me, as always, Mr. Aaron Bruski of Hoot Ball.com. AB, what's going on?
1: Oh, like most of us, we're all recovering from the 4th of July. Um, it was it was a great fireworks show, but after, I think, a five-day weekend, you know, of, of covering massive amounts of NBA news. Chaos. Um, I, I actually uh, set up a nice little outdoor deal, so I got to be kind of part of stuff, but people would look at me really funny, because, like, who's that dude that's, like, buried in his laptop <laughs> and and not, you know, really able to, to do much, because... As you guys know, there's about a story every two minutes.
0: Yeah, every two minutes. And it's wild. This has been, it's strange because free agency started off way slower. I think last year, as of Sunday, like 43 people had been signed to contracts this year. It was like 28. So there was like a huge reduction in the sheer number of contracts that had been signed already. And the money floating around has all been giant, big, big, crazy money because it's a lot of really good players at the top, and then the, this, I don't know how to describe them, the NBA middle class um, and, and the NBA lower class, they're having to wait to get the, their deals done. Uh,
1: there's there's interesting stuff going on here. yeah. And, and I, I mean, looking at it, I, I personally, I overshot my projections like crazy this year. And um, part of it is that slowdown that you're talking about, I think. Also, I've heard, I think it was Brian Windhorst kind of float the idea that teams might have been colluding with one another um at least maybe passively and and kind of trying to constrict this market a little bit maybe get back some of the money they gave away last year but the uh the, the Gordon Hayward domino is a weird one because he's i think probably the best player in this in this draft class or probably free agency class the other guys though that we're, we're looking at um you know the Kyle Lowry the The Paul Millsaps of the world, they are risky business at the numbers that were floated, whether we're talking at the trade deadline or, or you know, in the past. Those numbers were crazy dangerous. And I think teams really didn't want to rush those guys um, and and try to sign them. That slowed things down. And and as well, with Gordon Hayward kind of holding everything up, I think the point guard market, the, the teams that needed point guards were really able to get in there with kind of a scalpel. And And get the guy that they wanted and really cut that market um, off, so to speak. there 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 just wasn't a lot of places for a George Hill to yeah. go who we're going to talk about in a little yeah. bit. Um, making the the King's acquisition there really kind of interesting to talk about. Um so yeah, I think with free agency, there's just been a, a, a slowdown with the money and and that's interesting and and I think we're seeing the effects of that cap smoothing sort of wear off,
0: okay. I agree. I mean, it's been a strange, strange weekend of of basketball overall. I mean, everything has been weird and players going places that you didn't really see coming. Um, just an interesting, I don't know the the NBA is heading in a in a strange path of uh, total imbalance, which I think everyone is talking about, where the Eastern Conference is just getting absolutely clubbed, and the Western Conference just keeps bulking up with high end players but also teams that look like were on the rise and now they aren't on the rise and teams that you know are are everyone's talking about that are on the rise and then you really have to look at them and say are they on the rise and teams that are falling apart you know teams that that were great or or had the chance to be great at one point and are calling, kind of falling apart um for the Sacramento Kings we got a bunch of news to talk about and we're going to we're going to run through all of that but First things first, Aaron, uh, I was able to catch up to rookie Harry Giles for a little one on one at Mini Camp on Wednesday. And we're going to roll tape on that just so everyone can kind of get a little bit of a feel for Harry Giles. So instead of a, a guest, we'll bring in Harry Giles uh, 1v1 at the Kings practice facility. So we're going to roll tape on that right now. How is camp doing so far? How do you feel physically?
2: Right. Uh, camp is great. You know, just kind of just getting used to, you know, the NBA grind. You know, kind of kind of developing yourself into a pro. You know, we're rookies so far. So it's just kind of getting used to playing on another level. You know, we've been used to playing in college. is a high level, but, you know, it's the NBA now. So, it's just another level, a different pace, and just learning how to play the game. But, you know, I feel fine. You know, everybody's body is a little sore, but, you know, we'll be fine. Uh, they,
0: they took it really easy with you last year at Duke. Right. Buddy, is your hip sore? Do you feel like you're ready to, to yeah. compete 20, 25 minutes a night. Right, the, right.
2: Yes, yeah, so I definitely think that. I think I'm ready. You know, I've been working hard. I mean, you know, just working on my physical shape, you know, as far as my wind and just my body as well, taking care of that. So, and you know, I feel confident in myself. And just, you know, the minutes I'm giving, I'm going to do that. So.
0: What's it like playing with these guys for the first time, this group of four, right. four rookies that you guys are all together, but then also, you know, uh, Scal, Buddy, and Buddy, Bobby Giannis. And right.
2: All right, uh, it's crazy because you know we're so young, but at the same time, you know I, I know a lot of these guys just growing up with AAU and high school ball, and then you know seeing guys like Buddy, you know who are a little older than me, so you know he played in college, you know seeing how great of a player he was. Uh, you know Scale came out a year before me, so playing with guys you just always grew up and seeing and playing against, and it's all coming together as one. You know it's just great because everybody's just young and talented, and you know we're gonna grow together, so it's gonna be a good thing we got going.
0: So you guys are all, all very young. I mean, you're right. 19. Right. Same thing with with
2: De'Aaron. I mean,
0: what is that like? Like the big lights, big city. All of a sudden, you're like thrust right. into the NBA world.
2: Right. Uh, you just gotta do what you gotta do. It's the life we asked for. You know, it's the life we work for as well. So I mean, this is another step. You know, you gotta you gotta get ready for it one day. And you know, our time is now. We're 19, and we just gotta step up to it. I think we're ready. So
0: been known, a known quantity for a long time. Everyone has right. saw your progression. Right. Uh, and we talked about it during, when you came in for your interview right. uh, process. Um, Sort of that getting passed over and sliding a little bit in the draft. How much are you ready to prove people wrong and prove that they're ready to
2: compete? Right, I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready to go out there and just prove myself and just, I'm just, you know, I'm back. And for me, it's just going out there and playing hard and just, you know, doing what I have to do. I can't really worry about what people are talking about. And, you know, is he he back? Is he the same? You know, I just got to go out there and just play basketball and have fun. I think I you go out there, compete, you know, just do what I do. I think I'll show what I'm supposed to do. So,
0: Coach March was saying, uh, Scal brought it up, that now he knows what he looked like last year. Right.
2: Like sort of that, that right.
0: first day of camp, the first right. couple of days. Do you feel that? Do you feel like, oh, my gosh, I mean, you look at him and he's someone that you've seen
2: play right. plenty of times. exactly. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, he's gotten a lot better. You know, he's kind of developed. Uh, you can just tell he's been in the NBA, you know, just working and kind of just a different level. You know, it's different, you know, kind of like guys who – you know, you go to college, you see a sophomore compared to a freshman, you know, they might have been the same coming out, but they still got their year of college under their belt. So, you know, it's still just experience. And for me, you know, I guess you see, you know, kind of sees me in him, you know, because that's you know, my first time, the first uh, camp. So for me, it's just kind of just getting used to it and just, you know, just being patient with myself and just, you know, slowing down, and just trying to understand everything.
0: How excited are you for Friday and getting to play your first official game? Right.
2: I'm excited. You know, it's going to be a lot of fun, you know, the games. Are, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's the NBA, you know, so we work for it once again, like I said earlier, uh, summer league too. So you got to go out there, just get used to playing with your teammates and just go out there and compete and have some fun. All right, Aaron. So the Kings, the Kings are young
0: and they had to be aggressive in a, in a different way than, than most people would expect. And, you know, I, I don't know, the draft, the draft night was incredible for most Kings fans. They celebrated, they, they went nuts. But when you get done... With the draft, and you get done with signing uh, Bogdanovich or agreeing to a contract with uh, Bogdanovich without being able to sign it yet, you you t- turn around and look at this team: Willie and the four rookies from last year, Bogdanovich, and the four rookies from this year. So now we're looking at ten players with very, very little or no NBA experience, and it's wild because from then on, the Kings have to fill holes. And they didn't have any roster roster spots to do it. They only had three roster spots total. Three, uh, maybe. Well, yeah, yeah, three roster spots after the Bogdanovich signing. And then on top of that, um, they have they have this need, you know, for a small forward, this need for a power forward, this need for a reserve point guard. So, and they have the giant, the biggest boatload of cap space in the history of cap space. And so, it's kind of a, a weird situation that Kings have developed. And I don't know, we see them swing for the fences early in free agency. Their name is all over every single name that you're hearing. And it's all over Millsap. It's all over, you know, I, I don't know, they're Gallinari. Their they're name is being mentioned everywhere. And then we have that moment where they get to where everyone thought that they would get, where I thought that they would get eventually, and that's to Otto Porter. And they're chasing Otto par- Porter, but Washington keeps saying, hey, we're going to match any offer. And then out of nowhere, the Kings just like light up the Fourth of July, like like the Fourth of July usually lights up, but at night in the morning, and they sign they sign Hill and they sign Zebo. Now I'm in shock. Everyone's in shock because it happened so quickly, especially the the George Hill. The Kings had never even been attached to George Hill at all. But Zebo, we had heard, well, it's a possibility. I figured he would be around two years, 20 million. Two years, 24 is right in line with what I thought he would get. But what are your your kind of thoughts overall on the big two acquisitions for the Kings?
1: I think there's a you, you got to look at this stuff in a couple different windows. And I think the big window here is that the discussion we're going to have about the Sacramento Kings has shifted. It's it's now more degrees of difference in, in strategy and philosophy than what the hell did the Sacramento Kings do which is, is largely been the conversation surrounding who they go after in free agency, who they talk about in free agency, who they're linked to, all of that stuff has never really been good. Uh, this year that conversation changes. So now we're going to have to look at, you know, these particular signings kind of whether in a vacuum or for this particular team, um, you know, Zebo, you know, I think we floated that possibility out on, on this show a couple times. Um, you know, he does fit, um, he's a 25 minute per game player. Uh, he's definitely lost some on his fastball that that's for sure um he can crank it up and and bring it you know once every five games
0: yeah but did you uh, see and, his, his per 36 numbers and everything else i mean realistically he was extremely
1: productive i mean oh he uh, zebo is
0: it, 14-1 and 8.2 uh, i think
1: I, what yeah. I, I said specifically about him is you know exactly what you're going to get with him there is no question marks about anything really Yeah, and yeah. and his game's not predicated on athleticism so you know, you don't even have to really kind of like Dirk. You don't have to worry about a lot of fall off there. Um, I, I kind of disagree that the Kings needed a power forward because um, now they're they're basically locked up for minutes with, you know, the guys we're going to talk about, Willie Cauley Stein, uh, I don't know where uh, papayanis basically if he gets in the rotation or not. Um, if they run that three man group right there, um, you know, they'll probably be able to fill everything appropriately, but you got a guy in Costa Cufas that makes that a little bit complicated. And Harry um, Giles.
0: And Harry Giles, which I thought they would sit him for most of the season, but to be honest with you, if he's playing in Summer League, they, they're not... I mean, they're going to bring him along slow, but they're not sitting him. They're not just like going to let him take the season off. Not if he's playing in Summer League.
1: There is a pivot point here, um, probably, that some of this stuff could get dated if they do end up making a deal for a Costa Cufas, because you got a lot of teams out there that now need cap space, And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're looking to get rid of bad contracts, you could throw in a Costa Cufas to make deals work and he still has a lot of value. And so I feel like the Kings have a lot of options as kind of, um, usual for, for this last six months, they've got, um, you know, or had a ton of cap space. They've got some assets that they can, they can move like Costa Cufas. They could also take back uh, bad contracts and try to get picks. Um, but as far as like fit goes, the big storyline, you know, when I saw everything go down is you've got a coach in Dave Yeager who has a history of not playing rookies, which is hilarious because he has got nine rookies or nine young players or whatever. Yeah. So he's going to have to deal with this. Um, but that's his history. And now you've brought in two guys, you know, Zeebo will get his 25 minutes per game. Like you just put that in concrete right now. Um, you know George Hill's not coming here to play less than 30 minutes per game. So you, you mark George Hill down for 30 minutes, and, and you really have problems. I mean, even if you can spread Malachi Richardson into the small forward bucket, and he played, see if, if he played th- theoretically 36 minutes per game, you still have logjam issues that are not just bad; they're major. And this will now be a referendum on can Dave Yeager get out of the kind of the history of not being able to play rookies, it, it's a pretty um, it's pretty glaring issue that we saw a little bit of at the end of last year. And the people in Memphis, you know, that was pretty much all they ever talked about. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm just interested to see if, if he can, you know, push those right buttons, because if these guys are ready, you know, Fox and the other kids are ready to play. They need to be on the floor.
0: Yeah, I think the the George Hill on paper it looks a little strange because you did draft Aaron Fox and you drafted Frank Mason, but we knew they were going to need a a veteran point guard. They 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 weren't going to be able to enter this season with just those two guys. Now signing George Hill to nineteen million dollars a year for two years, and then they have a a team option on that third year. It's partially guaranteed on the on the final the third year of the deal. So we don't really know what that deal is yet. Um, but George Hill is a is a good player. He's a solid player. I think he's similar uh and, and maybe statistically not even as good as Darren Collison, but he's a little different in that he is um you know more vocal as a leader. He's a guy who who might be a little bit different of a mentor where I know that you know Darren was looking for another starting gig. That's and he got it. it. I mean, really, it looks like in Indiana. And so when I look at you know what Darren was looking for and who Darren is, and I know Darren pretty well, and while he said repeatedly, uh, both you know in radio and podcast and every form possible that he was excited about coming back and being a mentor, he really wanted to play. You know. 35 minutes a game and and have another, you know, two, three years as a starter. So I think George Hill is a better fit because he comes in knowing that, look, you're bringing along a young guy and that's your job. And eventually you're going to have to hand it over. And everyone knows that. But I'll also say this. A lot of people around the team think that De'Aaron Fox, while he has incredible potential to be a stud, an absolute, like, People are saying he could be one of the better players at the point guard position. When it's all said and done, they also believe that he's probably a year away from being ready to play massive minutes. And you have to balance not ruining ruining a kid and and giving him, you know, making him earn his minutes, and at the same time making sure that he's getting enough minutes to to grow and to make mistakes and not feel like, you know, the giant hook is waiting for him. So you're right, Dave Yeager has a very, very tall task in front of him. And then he's got so many players, and that's, you know, so many players that think that they're going to be playing. And he's had this issue in the past, but if you look at their four veterans, Costa, Garrett Temple, Zebo, and and uh, George Hill, all four of those guys are going to play. Now, Costa might not play more than 18 minutes a game, and Zebo might drop down from 24 down to, you know, 20 to 22. You never know. Um, But George Hill, and the other thing to say about George Hill, he has a giant history of getting injured. Um, He only played, I think it was 45 games last year. Uh, He's a guy that has been injured during his career. So there's going to be opportunity there. Um, But I think what it means is Frank Mason takes a step back. I think it means that Harry Giles takes a step back. And it means that Yorgos Papayannis takes a step back. And when they bring in a small forward, probably with that last... That last roster spot that they do have, it means that Malachi or Justin Jackson are going to get backburnered until further notice, while they develop, you know, the team that they have, and then filter in minutes as they go along during the season. So I think it was an interesting, you know, turn of events. I, I, I think it was exciting. It was exciting it, for Kings fans.
1: A lot to unpack there. Um, I'm going to try to remember all the things I was trying to jot down in my mind here taking notes on you, you, James. No, there's a lot of stuff here for, you know, consideration. So like, I mean, you're going to hear a lot about, I'm going to push back on this narrative. Like you're going to hear a lot about veteran leadership and you're going to hear a lot about, you know, kind of why that's absolutely necessary and mandatory. and, And it is absolutely important. So here's the big, but though it's oversold like George Hill is coming here Basically to Sacramento because he couldn't get a deal anywhere else and because the point guard market evaporated the way that it did the two-year deal and the kind of I Guess understanding you're describing of hey, we got this kid. He's gonna play, you know You're here basically to do your job and and for Hill He's gonna be looking at how do I perform well to get my next contract and that's gonna be 30 minutes per game He's not going to be like, oh, hey, go ahead and play this kid. <laughs> you know, um, I don't care if my numbers dip. And, and it's not a selfish thing from him. It's just a reality. He needs to, you know, for his next deal, if that's with the Kings, great. You know, if he can be a part of something that's kind of growing and evolving and get to the twilight of his career, you know, in a, in a spot where he's comfortable and happy, great if it's in Sacramento. But more than likely, he's going to either be dealt before the end of the deal to a contender or... He's going to be looking at a contender in free agency because the team at that point is probably not going to want to pay him 17 or probably 19 million dollars per year to uh, be, um, you know, ahead of Darren Fox. If Fox is good, they're going to want Fox playing. So I think that you, you really now pivot and you, you got to look at at Jaeger and, and say, OK, you know, are you going to be able to do what you haven't been able to do in the past? And and this issue, it's not just a small one. It's dogged. And we saw it at the end of last year where, you know, you had guys like Tyreek Evans out there chucking. Darren was out there chucking. There was no kind of semblance of a system that they were running. Yeah, um, the kids were on the bench.
0: They had no one to play the small forward spot. Absolutely nobody. So, like, Tyreek Evans was playing. At the same time, I mean, once you put Tyreek Evans on the floor – you almost can't direct Tyreek. Tyreek
1: does what he does. Does Tyreek own the team? I mean, yeah. Tyreke, well, I mean, hey, you can bench you... him,
0: and he didn't play a lot. He he played very sparingly. But when he did play, I know what your argument was. Your beef was with him. Your beef was that when he was in the game, he didn't feed the rookies. But he it, didn't.
1: It wasn't even. It wasn't even him. It was. It was at each of them. Darren did it. Ty did it. And and that's fine because that's they're looking for their next contract. and that that's yeah. completely okay. You know, they don't owe these. This is why veteran leadership is always oversold. Is they don't owe these rookies at the end of the day, you know, much of anything. If they're doing it, you know, these are the Garrett Temples of the world that, you know, pay it forward constantly. And and I agree that's the way you should be. But, you know, the reality of it is, is it does just get oversold. Now, when you, you get to this year, you know, right off the bat, I mean, you can you can say you're going to play Fox, you know, 18 minutes per game as a backup point guard that's probably smart i mean hopefully um Yeager doesn't do what um t- tom thibodeau in minnesota did which is play chris Dunn nothing and uh you know ended up trading him um you know the following season
0: he had kind of earned nothing
1: though well i mean and there, this,
0: there's earning minutes and then there's earning bench time and i mean this in is, all honesty, i was never a chris a Dunn. i'm
1: never a chris Dunn guy but when you draft a point guard high you are really making a huge bet that you have to either see out or if you're Minnesota, you get out of it early while while people still think there's value to your asset. So I agree with them dealing done early. If they don't think he's the guy, don't wait till you're Denver and Emmanuel Moutier and everybody now knows what Emmanuel Moutier is and you can't trade him. So you make this big bet on Fox and now the question is, is what are you doing with your bet? Are you putting your bet in the best position to succeed? Would a guy like a Sergio Rodriguez who could come in, play 27 minutes per game, you know, give give Fox the balance of it. And then, you know, Fox has got a real good shot at being better than him and and then taking the reins at that point in time. That would be the when we look at the Kings uh, free agency, you know, there's that one window where we've completely shifted the discussion to a good place. Um, The players that they're targeting are on good deals. And they're good players. And George Hill, we haven't spent enough talk- time talking about his actual game. Yeah, he's a good player. Um, he's a good player. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there are some there are some issues there to flesh out. You know, what could they have done? What was the, the decision-making process with the Otto Porter deal? Because the way the Washington Post put it yesterday was that these signings signaled that Porter was not going to sign an offer sheet with the Kings. And I didn't see a report there. I saw speculation. I have not been able to get I haven't been able to get to the bottom of it. And there was some confusion about whether or not the cap um, could have been manipulated to where they could afford to also keep Otto Porter with these two signings of Hill and Randolph in play. Um, It felt to me like you could still manipulate the cap to have Otto Porter on board in this scenario. You
0: could, but it was very, very complex. And I reached out to someone I know with the Washington Wizards and they, I said, are you really going to keep him? And the answer was, yeah, it looks like we're going to match any deal. And I'm like, are you serious? Max money? I said, you're giving up everything. And and it's like, yeah, but you know, I I think what you have to look at is their owner, which is Ted Leontes, right? Um, he went to Georgetown he he's a auto Porter guy and he said, we're signing him and that's it. That's that's why this is
1: this free agency is so great is because that whole situation is also interesting because it's all about John wall. And I don't think John wall is sold on Washington. Those guys
0: are, are running very, very fast. They're driving very fast at a cliff.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that wall wants to play with boogie and so where that can all happen and how, how things go in New Orleans is also tied to Washington. Yeah, and, and these see, players, it, they make these things happen.
0: And New Orleans know. did nothing. I, I, they signed Drew Holiday to a
1: ridiculous deal. They had to, though. But he's they, that's, never
0: proven that that's, he's, he's that good. I, you know what? They didn't have to. They could have offered George Hill you know, half as much. And, yeah. and in all honesty, I don't think they got a worse player. You know, if they, if they I, went to the I'm a big Drew guy.
1: I'm a big Drew guy, but I could see somebody looking at Drew Holiday and saying, you know what, I just don't get it. I don't see it. You know, why, why is he healthy, making so much?
0: can't shoot the ball from long distance. He's not a good fit with the, the two bigs that they have. I mean,
1: I, but I, I like the thing him in, the in New Orleans. Him. They're not going to post boogie up. I finally figured out the boogie thing. Boogie just doesn't (laughs) like to play in the post. (laughs) It's you know, and and no coach has the juice to tell him to get down there. No, and they're gonna they're gonna implode. It's gonna you know send cold takes exposed my way. They're gonna implode if he doesn't go into the post. It's going to be a spectacular explosion. And then what happens there? I mean, you you know, if if Boogie takes off, you know, at what point does probably Anthony Davis get sick of it? And everybody in the league's tried to move Anthony Davis out of New Orleans for years anyway. Um, so that that thing's going on back to the Kings, though, with Porter, you know, what I was kind of still wondering is, did the Kings chicken out and say, OK, you know what, we're just going to we, we, we think he's not going to sign with us or we're convinced that Washington's going to match and pay that tax in this complex situation centered on John Wall? And did they go, OK, you know, Yeager wants Randolph. he's he's kind of a good fit for us you know and then oh my god we can get George Hill might have been the other uh angle there
0: I think that is one of the angles the uh wait a sec George Hill is talking to the Lakers for a one-year deal that's where I think that is where the George Hill conversation came out of nowhere and they're like really George Hill is willing to take a one-year deal well we'll give him a two-year deal and they were gonna do the same exact thing the Kings are gonna do. They were gonna pair him with Lonzo Ball, and, and have him develop Lonzo Ball. And now they're talking to Rondo, and that there. <laughs> uh,
1: oh my goodness! Sorry, I, that was funny. Um, you know, you were
0: you were mentioning something earlier, which uh, the one thing that I do believe, the one mistake that I think could have happened here, is that George Hill is a very nice scoring point guard. But he's never been that facilitator, and he clearly doesn't have the lightning speed of De'Aaron Fox. And you wonder if, I mean, Ty Lawson has his warts, for sure. But if Ty Lawson, his play style, the speed that he plays at is something that De'Aaron Fox can relate to. Um, And then on top of that, he's a better passer than George Hill by a long shot. I mean, George Hill, I mean, his career best is 5.1 5.1 assists per game last year it was 4.2. I mean, I, I, I almost wonder let's talk, if let's
1: talk some George Hill.
0: Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying though? If you take away, you strip away the negative things of Ty Lawson, which are glaring and big. And do you want him bringing along someone? I think knowing him behind the scenes, I think the Kings say, yeah, we'd be okay with him at working with a kid under, you know, we're not going to let him go out and hang out and party with the guy, but you know, as far as Ty Lawson's skill set, I think he actually would have helped, could have helped,
1: uh, you know, De'Aaron Fox. That's, that's rough because I, I think if I had to guess, I would say is probably still a ways to go in, in his recovery. Um, a ways to go is probably actually a little too strong. I don't, you know, I, I, I do think that, you know, there, there's a question mark there. And, and putting him around a kid— and saying, okay, learn from this guy. I, I think you you probably just pass on that. Though I think yeah, Ty Lawson's no. going to be a good signing.
0: But in the for... locker room, the, in the locker room, Ty is a very different guy. So that's what I'm saying. Like being around Ty, I know that Ty's teammates love him. He's very, very low key, and he's very funny. He's a jokester. He's a little bit of a class clown behind the scenes, but he's very chill, very laid back, and and actually people do respect him and like him they just know that he has a dark side and that's something that you don't want your young player getting into his dark side at all and but your your point
1: about veterans though is is basically this is the ball game here and and fit because you you talk about George Hill as a scoring point guard and that's why I kind of want to get a little bit of George Hill is there are some really um kind of not red flag I mean obviously the injuries are red flags you know his season in Utah was one of two seasons that he's had where he's performed that way. He's had down seasons Mm -hmm. where a combination of system issues and really just kind of an apprehension on his part to play aggressively and, and really not being able to impact the game. So it's kind of a yellow flag that you might not be buying Utah George Hill where he was great. And it was, a, it kind of highlighted how a system that complements him, you know, he run a lot of dribble handoff there and he's got the burst to get around the corner and just enough scoring and playmaking on the floor to, to not put it on him as it's been in the past in Indy, um, you know, a la of the, the Paul George year, um, where Paul George was injured. Mm-hmm. That, that is, um, you know, that's a big price tag if, if he doesn't end up being that guy, I think he will be that guy um, but it is you know his, his game is a combo guard and so where does that fit on a team full of combo guards? I guess we're gonna find out and then what is the, like you mentioned if, if a speedster like Ty Lawson was the guy and you could set up your offense to take advantage of that which again we're looking at a lot of high posts um, you know the the double high post with the bigs and, and still having to navigate through the trees and, you know, dribble drive guys, maybe not appreciating that clogged lane. Um, then maybe that won't be the case as much since Willie can shoot a little bit. Scal can shoot. Um, really it's Costa Kufas. that can't shoot. So maybe you kind (laughs) of get out of that, that issue where there's just so many bodies in the paint and a guy that's a, it's a speedster is going to have a hard time getting through the lane. So fit is important. Um, but again, we will always back out into kind of the what ifs and you know, you had the auto porter piece, you know, it's absolute no brainer. It was not an overpay contract. It this you just don't get guys like this for, you know, the numbers people would like. Um and he performed up to that level uh last year and even half of the season before that. So it's not a surprise what he's doing. The only one concern I've ever had is his hip. If that thing is Checking out and and to the degree that teams can do their diligence, do due diligence, (laughs) they can, um, you know, know that going into a deal that was a no brainer. And then but small forward is this issue that's not going away. The Kings have some time to to finish this off and we'll see, you know, you got Boston there is probably looking to deal probably not Jay Crowder. They probably want to deal Marcus Smart. So that might not help, but you know they're probably willing to listen because yeah, they've got too many players. You got to get, you get your hands on Jay Crowder.
0: I mean, I don't know where Jay Crowder fits in there because they even have Jayla Brown that can play behind, behind Gordon. Well, they uh, just drafted Ailey. Tatum, and behind I Tatum. Mean, and it, did you see Tatum in his opener? Ah,
1: you know what? Although I, he, he does not pass. <laughs> this, 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 you know what? A lot of guys look great in summer league and then they suck. In the NBA. I'm not saying that about Tatum. I just don't take anything the at Dante summer league. The Dante Green
0: effect? Is that what you're saying? I, I, it's funny, people I say, wasn't there
1: for the great Dante Green performance of, what, 2013 or whatever it no, was. it was
0: like 2008, 2009. Yeah, he put up 40 in his first summer league game and just like everyone was – and then the Kings traded for him. I mean, um,
1: and yeah. looking at this small forward market, not to, not to take us off the topic of Dante Green, um, there is not – a lot of great stuff out there right now. Um, I mean you could get a Tabo Cephalosia um, uh, CJ Miles, but these are not yeah. winning play. They they're not they're they're going to be fine if you just call it a a loss. Like we're not going to pay a guy a lot. He's going to come in, soak up minutes and hopefully CJ Miles's knee doesn't explode and Tabo Cephalosha's many mid-body injuries. You know that they don't kick in because Cephalosha was really great last year, but then for the last half of the season he was pretty terrible because he couldn't get healthy. So your options, I mean, Dante Cunningham comes to mind. Um, he you can't know, really play this small though. Dante Cunningham. No, no, it's 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 you're really banking on can you get somebody via trade that's that that can be kind of jiggled loose from their team. And my biggest question coming out of this, and what I'll be poking around and trying to figure out, is where were the kings on joe ingles cuz that deal that he signed was i i would have a hard time thinking that he would have said no to something that's like 3 or 4 more million more than what he got he took less to try to keep gordon hayward in the house and and that's admirable even if he was making 16 or 17 million dollars joe ingles would crush that contract yeah
0: i i don't think he was going anywhere man I, in all honesty i i know what you're saying uh, that he's a guy that you know should be making more money and should do this or that but in the end I think he was going back to Utah the whole time and I, mean, I think they that's thought kind of the story was story I want
1: to figure out is it what did the Kings put the feelers out and say you know this is kind of where we'd be willing to be you know to his agent and then the agents like no nah, your money is no good here we're going back to Utah Yeah and if that's the case, that's fine. That means you didn't swing and miss on Joe Ingles. But Joe Ingles is the one guy that could grow with this squad on an affordable deal, played multiple positions. I mean, he defended Chris Paul in the playoffs well. I mean, he does everything you want a basketball player to do. He just doesn't really um, you know, leap off the screen, if you will. Um, and a lot of has to do with the, the way that he came to the NBA. Um, the small yeah, forward yeah. is your... The the Kings have to kind of figure that out because if they don't address it, I have no idea what they're going to do.
0: Yeah, what they really have to do right now is figure out what Boston needs and get Jay Crowder. I mean, Jay Crowder... You know he's a three and D guy. You Third... talk
1: to those guys though; they don't they don't think he's going to be the guy they deal.
0: Yeah, but they're I mean all three they say all three are on the market at this point. And what was up with the Olenek rumor today? Sacramento Olenek. I don't. You know, get...
1: The Kings are are <sighs> that doesn't make any sense. Used as yeah, bridge as you know as they, any good agent would do. I guess <laughs>
0: they still have fifteen million bucks. That's, well, that I, my look, math there's says,
1: one scenario that could work though. If you get rid of Costa, if you bring in Kelly Olynyk, that's not bad. Um, eh. The way Kelly Olynyk lives up to his deal is he's got to shoot way more threes, and instead of being a 35 percent shooter, he's got to be a 40 percent shooter. You can't be like a mediocre three point shooting big man, and and make that work. Yeah, um, I don't but, know
0: if I'm if I'm the Kings. I mean, I I offer to take back Jay Crowder and. Uh, Amark is smart in some crazy deal that yields uh, <laughs> it, 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 that yields them Costa and then cap space and then maybe a young player like Malachi or someone like that. I, I, I don't think that that's enough. But if they're trying to dump to in order to sign Gordon Hayward,
1: um, well, and that's the uh, other angle here on on Washington's side is they're looking to do a sign and trade, you know, with Bo- Boyan Bogdanovich, who is not a three, folks. He's not a three, and he is not. Uh,
0: and they're fools <laughs> because everyone in the league looks at them and just smiles and says, "Really? What are you gonna do? I mean, if if they're matching a max money deal for Otto Porter, you know what that means, right? That means oh, it, he's gone. Well, they yeah. were they're at 120 million, and that's before they signed uh, who did they sign? Um, uh, Mike Scott, Mike Scott, and they signed uh, always injured Jody Meeks. Those guys make like between the two of them, it's 5.2, and that puts them at like. 122 million uh, that because Jody Meeks was included in the other deal. So just 120 something million, 122, and they still have three roster spots to fill. So every dollar over 119, they have to pay to the league. Every dollar, I think, over 124, they have to pay $2 to the league. And every dollar, and then it goes up incrementally as you go through you know, the ranks here. And they're one of three teams that's never paid the tax. Oh, they're paying the tax. They're, they're paying, paying the it.
1: Tax. Well, oh god, they're
0: paying I, it. Like I mean,
1: everybody's saying, and it could be the case that Otto Porter has like agreed, you know, right now, and it's like a ninety-nine percent chance that he's agreed, or or um, or probably that Washington is going to max this deal. Um, yeah. But there's always a qualifier in there, and it's so weird. Like it's it's weird enough to where all of us, I think, in the reporting. Media world are like, kind of like, okay, this is weird. Like you guys are overselling that you're going to match this offer. Like, please don't max this guy out. And, um, I mean, that's all you hear is that they're going to match. They're going to match. They're going to match. And and that's what they're going to do. But there's a lot of folks that, that want to get rid of money. There's this Minnesota, uh, deal that's been dangled out there where, uh, Minnesota got Oklahoma city's first round pick. And um, in 2018 for the Ricky Rubio deal, and they want to give away, um well, not give away. I don't know if that's Cole Aldridge, would, right, right. Cole Aldridge, right? And so here's the thing. I mean, that's a completely manageable contract. That's something that that a lot of teams, including the Kings, should be, you know, looking at. And and you know, I mean, an OKC pick in 2018 could look really, really good in a tough Western Conference. You know, was it with... the
0: 2018 or 2019? Am I? I'm I think it's their sure 2000. It's, I think it's their. am sure
1: it's 18.
0: Oh, and the King. Well, I mean, I know the Kings are looking for a 2019 pick. That's been a situation that they. have I mean, they know that they're going to get raked over the coals for 2019 from the the deal that they, you know, the big, the swap that and, and all that stuff. The salary dump. You know,
1: a lot of people are getting crap on the internet for saying the Kings are going to be good. They're going to be terrible this year. I mean, like, right win win yeah. loss wise. But but there's talent, man. Like I I mean George Hill and, and Zach Randolph alone is going to warrant you know teams take take the Kings seriously on a night to night basis. I think base. they're going to
0: win twenty five twenty seven games. I mean I don't think that these veterans made them jump up a whole bunch in the win loss column. They could also lose uh they could also win 19 games I, I don't know i mean i again if we were to like in a perfect world you go get jay crowder He's only 26 going on 27 in all honesty he's better than auto porter in almost every aspect of the game except for three-point shooting and he's still a 40 percent three-point shooter
1: you know, i might quibble with some of that but but your your, your point being is that that pick the philly pick could end up looking pretty bad, and I, I'm I'm I might be willing to target like the middle of the draft. Yeah, you know, for where that thing, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, they're thing. still going
0: to have so many young players on the roster at that point, anyways. That you want to play, and next year's pick should be a top five pick. So, I mean, they've got a lot. They've got a lot of you know things to do, moving pieces over the next you know two years to worry about um, before we really like sit there and go, oh, the 2019 pick is gone." So, all right. So, Aaron, let's talk a little bit really quickly about, uh, you know, it's almost like if you guys watch The Walking Dead, and then The Talking Dead comes out on afterwards, and they they do the Who Died in in uh, Memorium after each show, and you get to see who who died during the show, including the walkers and everyone else. But uh, the Kings did lose a bunch of free agents, um, guys signing everywhere. I think the most crazy thing i've ever seen was langston galloway opting out of 5.4 million <laughs> and turning around and getting a three-year 21 million dollar deal like the next day the everyone, stan
1: van gundy special
0: everyone in the league went like well everyone everyone goes oh langston's such a good guy we're so happy for him not one of them really said what was on their mind like what the what in the world Sure. Why you gotta why
1: you gotta salt Langston like that? I, I love I, I, Langston. I think, he's, but... I think he's like look. You know, it's it's an overpay. I'll, I I mean, you why you give him a three years? I don't know. And also, kind of like why when there's him. so many but other options? Did on. you the, the 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 Pistons are like deathly afraid of missing out on the free agent market. They always jump the gun. They're very sensitive about nobody wanting to go play there, and and that's basically Stan Van Gundy in a nutshell, like he's impulsive and he just kind of goes for it. And when you give a coach that kind of control, you know, that's what you're going to get.
0: Yeah. But when a guy like Omri Caspi is, is signing for pennies on the dollar with the Golden State Warriors. And I know he went to the Warriors, so he's getting no money because they have no money to spend um, after they spent like bajillions of dollars. But when a guy like Omri and, and, I, honestly, people, Omri is a a very good NBA player. He showed it not last year, but the year before. Um, and he's, he's a guy that can help a team without any question. I think there's some real question as to what what Langston is. Is he like a fifth guard type? And I think the answer is probably. I, I just think that that was like, wow. And then Darren Collison signs a two-year $20 million deal, which I think the second year is partially guaranteed to go to Indiana, and as of right now, I think he's Indiana's starting point guard. Um, the Kings never called. Uh, that's that's for sure. Um, he had talked to Orlando and New York. I, I talked to Darren, you know, during this whole saga. Um, you know, he, he thinks Sacramento fans on his way out the door with a really nice statement that, that we posted up over at NBC Sports. Um, but, you know, kind of his time had come, because of all of these you know all the the young players to fill his position and then what are your thoughts on Ben McLemore getting a two-year uh was it 10 point7 million dollar deal from the Memphis Grizzlies
1: I think it's really smart on the Grizzlies part I mean obviously his time in Sacramento was done and oh yeah you know I I've, I've I think I tweeted late last year like I don't think Ben's gonna get it like um the there's there's a lot he's got to work on, but you know, if you're going to kind of look at this from above, you're going to see, can't really make situations much tougher on a player than the Kings, you know, did with him, you know, even with, you know, DeMarcus cousins and and how, you know, cousins related to, to Macklemore. And, you know, just the, the, he was in his own head constantly. There's chaos everywhere. Yes. Gameplay was never optimized. So if you're Memphis, I mean, why not take a gamble? on, on Ben, you know, Fizdale is one of the good ones. He, um, really relates to his players well. And he, um, will get the most out of Ben. If, if there's something in there, you know, to be had, Fizdale will find it. He's, he's an up and coming coach. You guys will hear a lot about down the road. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, he can jump out the gym. His, his jumper has, it's, it's the form is fine. He, he can shoot, you know, everything else that does not, You know, there's a big question mark for it all.
0: Catching the ball, dribbling the ball, yeah. There's knowing where to stand. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot there that needs to be worked out. And in in his defense, four coaches, four years, um, not a good situation at all for him. You know, being thrust into a starting role really early, not
1: earning anything, um, having some major major one thing there. I, like, using Ben McLemore as the example of what not to do by giving a young player minutes is just not applicable. Um, I've seen that floated around. You know, you can give a young player minutes. It happens all the time in this league. It's how you give them the minutes that matters. And, and in this particular case with Ben, all of those things that you just outlined, it's it's not the idea of giving him minutes that's bad. It's how do you execute doing that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and how does four different guys ed- ec- execute giving him those minutes? Uh, I mean, that's, that's a big uh, you deal. You had to because, play with Rondo. <laughs> well, and they all wanted something different from him and yep. uh, they, and he has it in his head, you know, to do this. And then someone else tells him this, uh, it's a mess. It's a mess. So, okay. So uh, Aaron, we don't got, uh, we don't have much time left here. Um, the King's been running a mini camp all week, which is kind of cool. Uh, getting our hands on De'Aaron Fox and uh, Justin Jackson and uh, again Harry Giles thanks for Harry G- thanks to Harry Giles for coming on but also Jason March is running Marsh is running the uh, the the Kings um, summer league team which is cool for him. Uh, he's a, a young guy um, who's up and coming and this is a good opportunity for him. He said it today that Coach Yeager said, told everybody that that he wants them to find their voice. And so for Jason March, this is his opportunity to find his voice. Um, and, you know, he's been with the Kings for a little while now, so it's good stuff. Um, and, you know, it's good competition. They're having a good time. I was watching him run horns. And, you know, um stepped up, uh, I think he said yesterday, at, at camp and said, Um, you know, I just want, you know, everyone said last year, oh, you know, the game's going so fast and all this. And he's like, I'm watching the rookies today. And he's like, now I know, I know what everyone was trying to say to me last year. He's like, there's just something different between a rookie and even someone who's experienced what little he's experienced, which is what 30 something games at the NBA, but being at practices, being through a training camp, being through a summer league before Scal like like i see what everyone was talking about with me last year and now it's comforting and so now let me help let me help a guy like harry giles get through that let me help some of these young guys get through that where you you don't know what to do all the terminology is different you feel like you're on roller skates the game is different um the other thing malachi richardson looks absolutely phenomenal He's, oh, he's yoked out. He's 220, yeah, right? He's chiseled himself, which I, I think even if he didn't gain weight, um, he certainly cut a lot. You know, he was always kind of heavy legged. Um, and I've seen him working out nonstop. The other guy that is looking, oh my goodness, is is Yorgos Pavianis. The Kings have done so much work with him. And I it reminds me a little bit, I, only, only in this aspect of Jason Thompson where Jason Thompson would reinvent his body and it would be better and better and better every year that he came in. He went from like a really heavy-legged uh well he wasn't yeah he was duck-footed when he came in and you know you watched his body develop. You you're watching that with Yorgos Holy Cow and what is done as it's made all of his movements faster, uh, quick twitch, everything is moving way faster because he's just not lumbering along along a bunch of baby fat. And I mean, you have to remember this kid just, I think he just turned 20. He is so incredibly young. This is just absolutely crazy to watch him and see him get off the floor and hammer balls down again and again. Uh, he is definitely taking some steps. And um, again, Jason March said today, like he's a guy that... If he gets an opportunity to really show what he's he can do, like watch him at Summer League because he has like taken leaps and bounds. And so I'm not saying he's gonna play a ton this year, because I don't think he's going to, but uh he is a player who has taken the criticism, the critiques, the conversation with coaches and with trainers and nutritionists, he's taken it to heart and really worked to get better.
1: So Exciting, exciting for real, him. Real quick on Yorgos. That's the other kind of elephant in the room here is if all of those guys are getting those minutes, he's going to have a hard time getting on the floor. And his footwork, catching and shooting, I understand the Marc Gasol comparisons. I don't agree with them. Um, and I don't think they were intended to say he's going to be the next Marc Gasol. I mean, maybe Vadi just got a little loose with that. Um, that. That kind of talent potential if he's really working on his body, you know, if the game is slowing down for him, I mean, that is a potential building block of a player. If he was theoretically able to give you 25 good minutes while stretching the floor and he can hang on defense that you don't want to see rotting on the bench. So, um, Hey,
0: like watching Marcus Alls, a young player and, and seeing how big he was and just like lumbering and his knees almost like bending in You know, he was so big when he was young. And then you see where he got, you know, when all of a sudden it's like, ooh, Marc is in great shape. I'll tell people this right now. Uh, Marc Gasol, I don't believe, has ever been in Yorgos Papayanis shape that he's in right now. And that's not, like, I think weight-wise they probably got to the similar weight, but Yorgos is stacking muscle. I mean, he's building, and, and Marc Gasol has always kind of been just he uh, lacks definition, and uh, this kid has has a huge, huge NBA body. Um, now, whether or not it's ever going to translate to, again, with Jorgis, it's not about skill set because honestly, he can shoot the ball from. I, I watch him drain three pointers all the time. He can shoot the ball from anywhere on the court. He's got such soft to- uh, soft touch around the rim. He can block shots. He can rebound really, really well. He sets some of the best screens on the team he can pass really well it's all about game speed and game recognition and quick and uh quick twitch muscle and whether or not he's ever going to have that sort of the ability to process and go and i hope that he gets that because that's where he need that's what he needs you, you know
1: set. where he's going to get it though is PT. through the reps playtime P- right exactly and- and that's that's the I, I will close. I was gonna close on on you know what a great addition Scott Perry's been yeah for the Kings <laughs> and um, what it, what it's what's done what it, you know Vlade had to usher the Kings through a really dark time because he was a trustworthy guy. Um, now he's got you know he's got all this ammo you know in in terms of expertise, and they've got a real good thing going over there, um, where where they've got this ship slowly turned. I believe um, everything you heard the Kings it was you know. Andre Iguodal, I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, it's not perfect, but it's not crazy. You know, everything that they've done from the draft has, you know, been kind of like a C or above um, or even better. And so um, I was going to close on on Scott Perry, but I think the devil is in the details right now for Kings fans assessing all of this stuff. And it all kind of comes back to Dave Yeager. He got really, you know, kind of a mulligan in year one. I don't know that he was really all about the DeMarcus Cousins kind of um, timetable or planning around DeMarcus, if you will. He was going to do his thing and knowing that he's got a big deal. He's got a lot of young players and low expectations. You know, year two is really where we're going to see. Is he able to push the right buttons? And his one big weakness as a coach happens to be right here front and center. And it's going to determine if a guy like Yorgos Papianis develops and your your big bet on De'Aaron Fox. So that's the, the 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 right there will determine will pardon me will determine whether or not this five year span for the Kings works or not.
0: yeah, i'm I'm not even gonna give him uh, like next year you want to see growth. For me, it's not this year, it's not next year. It's the year after. It's that year where you walk into the season, the 2019 season saying, who are we? Are we on a path? And again, if you look at the cap and the way that it's built, that's the year where they have just so much money especially with the George Hill thing um, the the Zebo thing you know again it's not this year it's not the 2018 19 season it's that that summer right there can he take that team is that the team that they've they've figured out of these what are they like 10 young players can they figure out which of those 10 are real players. Can you get three of them to be not just NBA regulars but really high-quality starters? Can you get a fourth or a fifth to be someone that you can rely on as rotation players? That's what you need to see. And I know that sounds really bad that we're talking about five out of the ten, but that's the reality of the NBA. And so you got to hope that they can turn some of these guys. And I'm impressed with what they've been able to do as far as bringing players along. I think the improvement that we saw from all of the players last year was, was absolutely phenomenal. And I hope that they can continue that uh going into this season. I'm just intrigued. It's an interesting season and again they still have fifteen million in cap space. There's still a couple of players out there that are in, you know that really do fit what they're trying to do. Um but uh, I I like what's happened here, Aaron. I, I think it's been a, a good I don't know, two weeks of King's good news of things going the right way. And yeah, that'll be my, my final,
1: final it. comment is, you know, disagree with whatever on the cousins thing, you know, that now you've turned the page and congratulations, Sacramento. You, you have a team that I think you're going to really enjoy and, um, an organization that's moving in the right direction. And I do say that knowing that this is recorded. <laughs> like um, I think that it's, you know, I think it's been a long time for you guys. And even in media covering it, it's been some somewhat kind of just tiring at times. Yeah. Um, to see it going the right direction is a, a welcome breath of fresh air.
0: Yeah. And I'm not even going to say that I know that it's going the right direction because I just know that they aren't making mistakes like they have in the past. And so you're hoping that everything works out. And hope is a big word. I get that. Um, so I guess I'll finish on this. You you brought up Vlade Divac and, and Scott Perry, and I'll kind of equate um, a little bit of this to uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna equate Vlade to Rambo in, in the initial first nice. blood, and, and you know <laughs> he goes out in the wilderness and he, all he has is a knife, and you know he makes like the. The tree. He he brings the tree back and he whittles those little spears that he sticks into the tree, and then it releases and it stabs Dave's Dave Caruso in the legs. And you know he did what he could do with the weapon that he had, but when you put him in a in a in a police station filled with with guns, then that's what he has now. He's got a whole lot more guns to deal with. And so now, you know, like we saw what, what Rambo did to Brian Dennehy on the roof. He, he shot him, you know, through the ceiling. And I, I'm just saying, Vlade <laughs> now has so many more weapons in his arsenal to help him to succeed. And so Scott Perry, uh, but all of them. I mean, uh, Luke Bourne has done some really nice work from from what I've heard uh, just about from everyone. Um, Ken Catanella. Uh, you know, Mike Bratz being around for a while now and really helping out with the scouting side. Um, Peja, you know, again, everyone's excited about their draft. That was a lot of people working on that draft board and and working to see, oh, can we get fifteen and twenty? Can we do this? You know, what's going to be better for us long term? And so, I'm impressed with what they've been able to accomplish. And now you got to see how it plays out. So, summer league starts on Friday. The Kings play. On Friday, on Sunday, and on Monday, and then the tournament starts later in the week. I think uh, Wednesday, Thursday, um, and it should be fun. The Kings should be a very entertaining team to watch. That's that's all I'm going to say for summer league. Um, not many teams walk in with what is it, seven first round picks and an early second rounder in Frank Mason, uh, and say, "All right, what do you guys got?" You know, we're a bunch of young kids ready to run. Uh, they're going to make a bunch of mistakes, but they're also they're going to show some, some pretty amazing things, I believe. So, Aaron, last final thought. Do you have any final, final thoughts?
1: Nah, you got to get me off. I could talk all day. There's so much going on, and, and who knows what's happened in the last hour. Um, enjoy yeah. your team. Enjoy your summer league win. I think if I was putting money down, I would put it down on the King's. Or maybe the Grizzlies, they've got a good Summer League <laughs> roster as well. That's the g- degenerate in me talking, folks. The road um. <laughs> to Summer League yeah, People have been asking me if I'm going to drive to Reno. And I'm like, ah, God. I think there Damn are 7-1, right? I'm going to be driving to Reno again. Yeah, they were seven
0: to one to to win it.
1: What's that number going to come in at? It's going to be like twenty two, (laughs) right? I don't know.
0: I they would. uh, There was only two teams ahead of them. Uh, Two teams at six to one, and they were seven to one. Someone posted them up, aimed at uh, my good friend Zach Harper. Um, So, the
1: the summer league odds or the summer
0: league odds? The summer league odds. Oh,
1: they're seven to one. Yeah. Oh, damn. That's a good thing I'm not going to Vegas this year. Oh, um, good luck to all of the reporters that make the pilgrimage to Vegas. That's right. You make it out of Vegas nice and healthy. Um, And it's so
0: hot. It's so hot. I don't even want to.
1: Yeah, but that number is going to come in low. It's going to be like 22, 25 low, and and then it's going to test me. Mm And see if I make that drive.
0: Uh, There it is. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the... NBC Sports California Kings Insider podcast for Aaron Bruski I am James Ham we will see you soon